Now on a special edition of In Focus, the Indiana impact of the coronavirus. As we talk with Senator Todd Young, Senator Mike Braun, and Indianapolis Mayor Joe Hogsett. Plus, we hear from U.S. Surgeon General and former Indiana Health Commissioner Jerome Adams. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. New legislation signed into law by the president to help small businesses and hospitals as we continue to fight the coronavirus pandemic. We're going to hear from Senator Mike Braun in just a moment. But first, here's our Washington correspondent, Trevor Shirley, with the latest. The bill refills the Paycheck Protection Program with more than $300 billion. It also adds another $75 billion for hospitals, plus an additional $25 billion for testing. Health and safety is first to me, uh, to, for my constituents. I've started to get a lot of calls and, and had a lot of people call and talk to me about this, the small business and the impact on, on their businesses, on what's happening to them personally. Uh, and this bill here is going to help them pass through this time while we're waiting to beat this virus. But the GOP also says the PPP should have been refilled last week and accused the Democrats of delay tactics. The good Democrats fought hard and won in providing more than $310 billion for small businesses. The bad, it may not be enough. There's also concern even this new funding might run out in just a few days. And beyond that, the bill doesn't provide any additional money to state or local governments. Reporting in Washington, I'm Trevor Shirley. Trevor, thanks. This week, Trevor also spoke one-on-one -on -one with Indiana Senator Mike Braun about the new legislation and what else Congress may have to do down the road. There was such urgency uh, with the shortfall from the, uh, you know, phase three package that uh, I, I didn't think there were going to be any dramatics. Uh, I think everything in it kind of made sense. Uh, earmarked uh, funds for the smallest of businesses, uh, plussing that up, uh, 75 uh, billion for hospitals, but they still had a lot of what we did for them the first time, but obviously they're stressed across the country. In terms of the looking ahead, um, what are your, what are you anticipating in terms of the need to vote for uh, another extension of PPP or uh, something bigger like another CARES 2.0? I think going forward is going to be uh, completely a function of how successful uh, the reopening of the economy is. Um, None of us uh, want to give back any ground to what we've gained in terms of tamping the disease down. So I think it's going to be different county by county within states and state by state uh, across the country. You know, testing is a big deal that uh, we've got to get that uh, to an adequate level, especially for the places hardest hit. So they know how much is still in and around uh, in terms of people infected or not. Um, that's probably a little less of an issue where there's been a light incidence of it to begin with, but that's still important. Um, so it's kind of that swirl of variables. And as time goes on, we'll catch up with testing, but I don't believe we're gonna be in a spot to where we can open the economy up based upon testing being everywhere, because I think it'll delay that. So we need to do it in a smart way that uh, doesn't gamble in places where there's been a high incidence and where, you know, like our county here, Dubois County, we got the regional uh, hospital here that serves seven or eight counties. Um, I think in our county here, 43,000 people, we've been paying attention to the rules, businesses down to uh, 
family units and it had 16 cases. So uh, it's different every county within a state. And like I say, every state is different. So uh, testing, we need to uh, pour the coals to it uh, to get it out there and make sure that it gets to the priority places first. And then I think over time, everybody will have it to the ability they need it. Senator Mike Braun there with our Trevor Shirley. This week, we also heard from Senator Todd Young, who spoke with our Kayla Sullivan about the controversy involving some not-so-small businesses getting money meant for small business relief. Paycheck protection program money was intended for small businesses, but a recent study shows only 20% of those companies had their applications approved for the first round. I think it's important that this uh, these monies go towards their intended purpose, right? And, and the intent of this program was uh, to try and make whole our businesses uh, and our uh, households. Three larger Indiana companies received PPP loan money. According to a Morgan Stanley research report released to NPR, MS Communications in Indianapolis has 560 employees. It was awarded $4.8 Halidor Energy of Terre Haute employs 915 people, and it received $10 million. And Escalade Sports in Evansville got $5.6 million for its 468 employees. I do think that there will be um, uh, some public resistance uh, towards uh, those companies and those individuals uh, who are tapping into a finite uh, amount of money at a time when you have other small businesses uh, to access them. Indiana U.S. Senator Todd Young says if those companies did not qualify for the loans, they should return the money. With that said, I value every single Hoosier job. All right, we're going to hear from Senator Young, Senator Braun, and a number of Indiana lawmakers coming up this Thursday night on a special in-focus town hall being broadcast across the state. So join us 7 o'clock Thursday night on Fox 59. Also Thursday, Vice President Mike Pence will be here in Indiana visiting the GM plant in Kokomo where they've been making ventilators in recent weeks. The VP stopping by this coming week to say thanks. This past week, the city of Indianapolis announced a new initiative to increase testing within city limits, particularly in some of our most vulnerable neighborhoods. I spoke with Mayor Joe Hogsett this week about that plan and about the city's response to the crisis. The truth is African-Americans um, are disproportionately impacted uh, by COVID-19. And it's such an important question, Dan, that um, we can't just simply say that there is a disparity caused by the coronavirus itself. It's actually a disparity that's caused by poverty, inequity, and systemic racism. And so uh, we've taken a step uh, in, a, in a, an important direction in Indianapolis, uh, Eastern Star Church on 30th Street will become a testing site. Um, uh, the tests being administered by the Marion County Public Health Department. And I think Dr. Kane's desire would be to have perhaps two or three more sites uh, up and running uh, within short order so that we can stay on top of the data and particularly uh, positively impact those communities that are disproportionately affected. I want to get your take, too, on some of the numbers here in Indianapolis. Are, are we indeed seeing some flattening of the curve? And are, are you comfortable with the notion of reopening some businesses, as the governor has suggested, might happen in early May? Or are you worried that could bring about another surge in cases? Well, the answer is both. Uh, you, you know, I think that uh, we are seeing uh, that our social distancing and our stay at home orders uh, in light of how restrictive uh, and how disruptive uh, they tend to be 
how impatient the public understandably is, we are seeing that it's working. Uh, and uh, Marion County uh, is uh, first and foremost uh, the leading uh, county in the state. Uh, we have, in terms of our presumptive positive cases, uh, about uh, 36 to 37% of the overall positive uh, coronavirus diagnosis in the state. Our, um, our, our rate of those who have died as a result uh, is lower. It's about 31 to 32%, but it's still too high. So a uh, long-winded way of saying, uh, I do think that the restrictions are working, the social distancing is flattening the curve and that we're making progress. But as I talk to people throughout the greater Indianapolis community, particularly those in business uh, and our corporate sectors, uh, they do share a concern about, we wanna open back up, but we don't wanna open back up so quickly that it actually has the opposite effect of sending us into more of a spiral than we already are seeing. The economic impact, as you mentioned, though, certainly hitting our city to the tune of millions of dollars potentially for our restaurant and, and tourism industries. Will Indianapolis and other big cities eventually need some sort of financial assistance from the state or the federal government? Absolutely. And uh, we uh, have reason to believe that we will be receiving uh, some substantial uh, assistance as the result of the uh, passage of the CARES uh, Act by the, uh, by the Congress. Uh, there's no question that we're going to need significant financial assistance uh, from the feds. Uh, but uh, frankly, the cooperation and collaboration that we enjoy with our state administration uh, I hope that uh, reap, uh, reaps benefits for our city as well. Mayor Hawksett, thank you so much for taking some time with us. Stay safe and thanks for speaking with us today. We appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. All right, coming up next this Sunday in Focus, we'll talk with our panel about the economic impact of COVID-19 and what Hoosiers are saying about the government's response and about the upcoming elections. Then later, we'll hear from Surgeon General and former Indiana Health Commissioner Jerome Adams. Stick around. We'll be right back. All right, it's time now to bring in our panel to talk about this week's top stories. Joining us online this week, Peter Dunn, Elise Schrock, Abdul Hakim Shabazz, and Bill Morrow. Let's start with financial expert Peter Dunn. Pete, this latest legislation passed by Congress, what are you hearing in terms of small businesses here in Indiana and beyond, hopefully having a somewhat easier time accessing this next round of funding? Well, I'm, I'm hearing all sorts of things. Some, some of it's good news and some of it's not so great. The good news first, I guess. People are more prepared this time. No one knew what in the world was happening when it opened up a few weeks ago. Uh, and now the bad news, a lot of the money is probably already spoken for based on the backlogs that some of these banks have from the first time around. So I don't know. I don't like to predict things, but I'll tell you, Dan, I would guess there will be a third round as crazy as that sounds. Uh, but people are more organized this time, and I think it will go more smooth. Uh, but it will also go more quickly. And of course, there have already been questions about whether there will need to be additional packages. Quite a week, all in all, when you look at the economic news here, Pete. You had the price of oil going negative, this debate about whether states will have to file for bankruptcy. So a lot of alarming news. Conversely, do you see very many signs of hope on the horizon this week when it comes to uh, any of the economic news that we're seeing? 
I'll just say this, a lot of the Fed intervention as it comes to quantitative controls with the stock market, the real esoteric stuff, I'll just say this, the stock market would be much worse off if those things hadn't taken place over the last few weeks. Uh, a concern in an environment like this, believe it or not, is what has happened to oil, and that's this concept of deflation. Uh, that's when there are plenty of goods and simply uh, no one is able to buy it. So prices keep going down. And that's that's what we're looking with oil. And we just hope that doesn't take hold in other areas of the economy. The reality is with the economy shut down, even if people want to buy things, they can't. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, Pete, thanks. Let's bring in Elise Schrock with the Indiana Restaurant and Lodging Association. Elise, thanks for being with us. Uh, Elise is also the former communications director for the Indiana Senate Democrats. We learned some pretty startling numbers this week, Elise, about the impact this is having on our hospitality industry, our hotels, our restaurants in the city of Indianapolis and beyond. Yeah, this uh, we're starting to get some data back to really quantify just how damaging this has been to the hospitality sector alone. And it is it, it's very tough. We are having incredibly tough conversations every day with our members. And it's become it's, it's very heavy work. I'll be honest. Um, we know right now uh, there are 200,000 uh, Hoosier restaurant workers alone that are unemployed. Uh, nationally, 70% of um, hotel workers are um, unemployed or furloughed. So this is um, a, a really difficult time. Uh, you know, we're trying to help our members take advantage of some of the aid that's coming from um, Congress, from the state. But even then, you know, with issues like PPP, even before, um, you know, with the fluctuation in, in if it's funds or not, when you aren't able to open your dining room or even open um, your business, it's hard to allocate those funds towards employees that you can't hire back. So um, because there's just simply no work. We're, it's a really tough time. Um, we are hopeful through um, the next couple of weeks, we may be able to come up with some guidelines uh, to prepare to reopen some of our entities. But the reality of the situation um, that we're finding now is we expect that 4% uh, of our businesses just simply won't make it out of this. And as we mentioned, you used to work there at the State House in the world of politics. Uh, what are you hearing from your members in terms of what they want to see from our state, local, federal government here to help this situation? Right. They're looking for any relief that they can get, not just for themselves, but for their workers. They're looking for guidance um, from the Department of Workforce Development that um, they can adhere to. To I mean, they know that they are um, working with taxpayer dollars and they want to be responsible right. stewards of that. So they want to make sure that they're going through this process correctly. So we're working on a number of issues with DWD here at the state level. Um, they just want help. Yeah, and we that. are working um, with our congressional delegation, both sides of the aisle. We are working with um, state legislators and we're working with local okay. um, officials um, for any solutions that we can yeah. find and any relief as we move forward. All right, Elise, thanks. We're also taking a closer look today at the results of a poll here in Indiana from IndiePolitics.org and Change Research. 46% approve of the federal government's response to COVID-19, while 46% do not. 
At the state level, 64% approve of Indiana's response to just 25% who disapprove. We'll keep looking at these numbers here as we bring in Abdul Hakim Shabazz from IndiePolitics.org. Abdul, what else did you guys find and what stands out to you when you look at those numbers? Well, what stood out to me was that uh, the more local the unit of government, the more likely the voters are to approve of the job that they're doing. If you go a little bit further uh, into like you no know, state and county, city and county governments, we also asked that question. They actually did even better uh, than the state level did. Uh, but I think it also shows a clear difference between, uh, you know, look at Eric Holcomb, uh, who has a responsible news conferences on a daily basis. is not encouraging people to inject Lysol or Clorox uh, into their bloodstream. You see a much different result. Uh, than you do, you know, at the Donald Trump level, who's unfortunately uh, his news conference has turned into sort of the stream of consciousness, and then we we'll end up talking about, you know, using you no know, solution cleanser in our blood. Which that was, is, uh, yeah, you know, a big topic in the news this week. Uh, speaking of the governor and the president, how do those numbers bear out uh, in your poll when you look at head-to-head matchups? You polled here in Indiana what voters uh, w- how they would vote in the fall. Uh, that's right. Uh, Donald Trump continues to win uh, Indiana about 52 to 39 percent. Uh, over Joe Biden. It's a little bit of a smaller uh, margin uh, that he had uh, with Hillary Clinton. But then again, also argue Joe Biden is probably a lot more likable for most people uh, than Hillary Clinton. Uh, with respect to the governor's race, uh, right now, uh, Eric Holcomb is running away with this thing. It's a 20-point lead uh, over Dr. Woody Myers. Okay. Uh, there's a little bit of good news for Dr. Myers. Governor Holcomb is only at 45% right now whereas Dr. Myers is at about 25%. So is Eric under 50? Yes, he is, but it's a 20-point lead under 50. And we'll talk about that race for governor coming up in just a minute. Abdul, thanks. Let's turn now to Bill Moreau, the co-founder of the Indiana Citizen. Bill, your organization is seeking to increase voter turnout this year. Your thoughts on how we'll be conducting the primary in June in terms of what voters need to know about the the process here for what could be a a mail-in election for a lot of voters. Yeah, thanks, Dan. So, uh, of course, point number one is to emphasize that the primary has been moved to June the 2nd. So uh, it's been put off for a month. It was a very responsible and bipartisan uh, decision. Uh, Hats off to the governor, the secretary of state, the Indian Election Commission. Um, So that's point number one is it's been put off a month. And point number two is that uh, the restrictions on requesting an absentee ballot have been eliminated anyone can vote by absentee uh, ballot. Uh, I'm going to hold up the most critical document for a voter these days is this document called an application for absentee ballot. That's step one, right? It's a two-step process. This isn't true vote by mail because it's it's absentee voting for all, no fault absentee, no excuse absentee voting has been variously described. But step one is you've got to get that form uh, it's available on the Secretary of State, okay. State's website. It's available on our website, indianacitizen.org. That's indianacitizen.org. <laughs> Print it out, fill it out, mail it in, and it works. Hey, uh, my wife and I have both uh, done it. We've gotten our absentee ballots back. We filled out our absentee ballots and sent them in already. Good, it, good. The system uh, works. I do want to ask One you. One other thing. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, really quickly, yeah. there's um, – you know, there's a, there's, there's a belief that in order to vote in the primary, you must request either a Democratic Party or a Republican Party ballot. Not true. If there's a public question on your ballot and you want to vote for that only. You could vote on a like here in Washington yeah. Township, there's a school referendum. You can request just the public question ballot. Real quick, in about 10 seconds, are you concerned uh, about the impact this will have on turnout? Are you concerned we might have to do some of take some of these steps in the fall as well? 
Well, whether it's going to occur in the fall is a public health question. Right. Um, so let's hope and pray that the uh, public health crisis that exists today will be behind us and the November election will be uh, conducted according to the uh, traditional rules. We certainly yes, hope so. Turnout yeah. in the primary is going to be going to be low. Okay. Bill, Abdul, Pete, Elise, thank you all so much. We appreciate it. Coming up next, our D.C. Bureau talks with Surgeon General and former Indiana Health Commissioner Jerome Adams. Stick around. We'll be right back. We got to get the how down. We can be prepared. We're trying to do all of our work right now so that we can answer that how question because the when will become apparent to us when the numbers say we need to start to move on this and in a gradual incremental way. Governor Holcomb talking about the process of reopening our state's economy during a press briefing this week. Meantime, Holcomb's opponent in the race for governor got tested for the virus this week. Dr. Woody Myers got a test from Aria, the same company that offered test kits to New York City. Amidst a back and forth over what exactly happened with their offer to do the same here in Indiana. Dr. Myers says, bottom line, he feels our state needs to be doing more testing. The state's priority ought now to be to ramp up as quickly as possible with both public and private sector efforts, testing, the diagnostic testing, and in a few weeks as the, the machines are, are being approved by the FDA, antibody uh, testing as well. Meyer said he wouldn't disclose the results of that test. By the way, he served as the state's health commissioner in the mid to late 80s. Another former Indiana health commissioner, Surgeon General Jerome Adams, has been front and center during this coronavirus epidemic. He's dealt with some controversy, but also with a lot of data and a lot of difficult information as health officials try and slow the spread of the virus. Washington correspondent Jesse Turner spoke with him earlier this week. This isn't a light switch. It's more like a sunrise. U.S. Surgeon General Jerome Adams is urging governors to reopen their states in phases. That's how we deal with resurgences. Last week, the Trump administration said states should reopen when they have adequate testing, contact tracing, and healthcare capacity. To make sure when these blips occur, uh, we can quickly deal with them and they don't turn into large outbreaks. But more Americans are getting restless and protesting stay-at-home orders. They've got cabin fever. They want to get back. Despite the protests and their seeming support from President Trump, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer says her measures are working. We are seeing the curve start to flatten, and that means we're saving lives. All right, stick around. We're back to wrap things up right after this. Thanks so much for joining us. There's much more to come on Fox News Sunday and Face the Nation. We'll see you again next week.